Hey everyone, this is David Higby with The Bridge Broadcast. So a couple things, this is not going to be a typical episode. We are going to play the recording of our Listen and Learn event that we just hosted a few hours ago, and that was our sort of open forum for our student-athletes and alumni to talk about what they're feeling, their experiences all across player of color, and really just kind of get some in-depth thoughts on what they're experiencing right now. So it's been about a little over two weeks since the murder of George Floyd. Um, since that time, it has ignited what looks to be the largest civil rights movement in history, and it has reached every corner of the globe. It has mobilized millions of people to fight for things that, quite frankly, weren't getting done. And we're seeing real movement towards anti-racism, towards um, solving social injustice, racial injustices. And that's really where our energy and our focus has been the last two weeks. And so we haven't put out any new content. We do have some podcast episodes kind of waiting, but there was very little sense of urgency to get those out um, as we focused on our families and our kids as they're digesting and processing a lot of what's going on, a lot of new things going on. Uh, It's certainly stressful. It's frustrating, but it does appear to be, but it does appear that there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of inspiration in the world. And it's been really inspiring to see our alumni and our student athletes really take hold of this opportunity to change history. And so again, that's where we've put a lot of energy lately. So we will have new episodes coming soon. We will be back on a lacrosse field soon. We've been working on that as well. Again, this episode is a recording of our Listen and Learn. Our next podcast episode will be uh, a little post-event um, follow-up. We're going to grab a few of our, a few of the speakers, a few of our alum and, and student athletes from the Listen and Learn event. Uh, we'll chat with them for a little bit and kind of get their thoughts on, you know, the event and you know what we need to do next and what action items that need to happen and their thoughts on the journey that we all need to uh, take hold of. So. We hope you enjoy the Listen and Learn event. We'll see you soon. So to my speakers, Channy, Kramer, we good to go? Okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do this. Um, so I've got an opening statement that I, I'd like to read from kind of on behalf of uh, Bridge Across and what we call our Bridge family. So uh, here we go. Uh, so good afternoon to our family, to the lacrosse community. Uh, we thank you for joining us for this event. Um, we have friends here from all over the state, uh, Frisco, Southlake, McKinney, Highland Park, Fort Worth, Austin, and all the way down to Houston. Uh, the response from the greater lacrosse community has been um, really strong, and I'm very appreciative of, of everyone being here. So thank you all. Uh, this is our Listen and Learn Forum. This is a safe and open platform for the student athletes and alumni of Bridge Lacrosse. And the purpose is for them to share their experiences, their thoughts, and stories as lacrosse players of color. In times of distress and uncertainty, it is all too often the voices of young people that are not always heard. We hope this is just one of many opportunities that our young people can have um, uh, in these uh, these sort of very strange and challenging times. For those that are new to Bridge, uh, my name is David Higby. I am the Executive Director of Bridge Lacrosse. Uh, We are a sports-based youth development nonprofit, and our mission is to use the sport of lacrosse to broaden the horizons of our community's youth. We know that there exists an enrichment and opportunity gap in many of our areas, and we believe that we can help address those gaps through healthy relationships and building social capital for kids. 
Um, there's no way, really easy way to jump into this, so here we go. Um, on May 25th, the murder of George Floyd ignited more than 400 years of exhaustion, outcry, and rifle anger in the black community. The movement for true and lasting racial justice has spread to every corner of the globe and taken hold within people of every background, every color, every religion, and every belief. People are demanding real change and real healing. We are here because for far too long, none of that has happened and communities of color have suffered and died at the hands of systemic racism. For the past two weeks, we've reached out and listened to many members of our family. And like so many in the black community, they're tired, saddened, and frustrated. But they're also hopeful, motivated, and inspired. We've seen many in our own, in our own family protesting, organizing, and advocating, especially our student athletes and alumni. For the first time in my life, it finally feels like the ball is moving in the right direction, the direction of reconciliation and tearing down a culture of both apathy and hate. The purpose of this event is to help us all better understand the perspectives of lacrosse players and people of color, and to provide a glimpse into the experiences that many of our families share. We understand that forums and storytelling are not enough, and we are committed to expanding upon today's event and setting forth an outline to, promote, to continue to promote diversity, equality, and inclusion, but to also actively fight against racism, injustice, and white supremacy. The speakers here today have volunteered to share their experiences. They were given no prompts or guidance. They know who the audience is, and we've told them that this is their opportunity to speak truth to power. Time permitting, we will also call for other student athletes and alumni to share. And to our speakers, um, we understand that this should not be your burden to bear, uh, and we will do everything we can for each of you um, as we continue this journey. Um, with that, I'll introduce Cheney Hopkins. She is a bridge parent and member of our board of directors uh, Chani's role today will be to facilitate between speakers and to help guide us through the next hour or so. Uh, my role is, an, is as an administrator, um, but I will be separate from the content of our speakers. Uh, lastly, we ask everyone to please mute their devices, remain respectful of the speakers that have volunteered their time, their hearts, and their minds to today's forum. If you need to turn your video off, you need to leave for any reason, we totally understand. Um, we are also recording today's forum and uploading it later on for others. Uh, thank you, and now I'm going to hand it over to Chani Hopkins. Good afternoon. Well, actually, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming to share your thoughts with us. Thank you for coming to hear what others have to say. Uh, this is an open forum, as David has said. Uh, we want to encourage you that this is a, a opportunity for us to share what's been going on lately. I am uh, currently a regional census recruiting manager uh, for the 2020 census. I've worked with the um, Democratic Caucus for the state of Texas. I've also worked uh, with the Texas Workforce and with Texas A&M University uh, and Urban League, and I could go on, but I am here because uh, I always um, typically have jobs that contribute to the community and make a difference in the community. So that is why I'm here today, and I want to thank each and every one of you for being here with us. Thank you. Um, so Chandy, let's go ahead and introduce our first speaker then. Um, JJ, you ready? Go ahead. Hi, um, I'm Jamaria Woods, but I go by JJ. Um, I go to Emory Gill. I'm in the class of 2022, and I've been with Bridge for five years. Um, so what it means for me to be a black lacrosse player is it's kind of tough sometimes and it's not always bad and it's not always good um but a couple years ago during one of our games one of my opponents 
decided to use a derogatory term against me. And I didn't know like what to do, how to feel, what to say, if I even like should say something. Um, and I'm glad to say that after that happened, um, nothing else like that has happened during a game or, or anything like that. Um, and my journey as a black lacrosse player has gotten better with that too. Um, I, I've had some teammates come to me um, who, who wanted to learn more about, you know, the black community and, and learn how to be like more respectful and like learn about the culture and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, that's a positive. I'm glad that um, people are like wanting to, to learn more about, you know, different situations or how I feel or what to say or what not to say or what to do and um, when situations like this happen. So, yeah. yeah. All righty, thank you. Next we'll have Ahmad. Um, how, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm Ahmad Crawford and I've been with Bridge for five years now. And I go to Barack Obama, Male Leadership Academy. So personally, uh, my accounts of racism, I haven't really experienced like blatant racism to me, like someone saying any, saying something to me that was racist, but there are like the occasional like uh, sometimes, and there are the like the occasional like stereotypical jokes or like uh, someone saying something that they, that they didn't know was racist or like offensive to me. And that doesn't mean that they're racist exactly. It just means that they are probably just not informed on the issue or like, uh, and haven't been around other people. So those people aren't like, aren't like racist, but just are just ill-informed. So like, so personal account, my personal accounts of racism, I haven't really just experienced it like a lot, but I know the burden of being like a black person in, uh, in America, it, it's tough. And, and I can't just act like I'm a victim too, because I probably said some things to other people that were, um, or said comments that are probably offensive to them. So I have to, uh, so we just have to understand each other and realize that, uh, and realize what makes other, what's offensive to other people and uh, like realize what's offensive to other people and try to fix ourselves. So, and I think the first step into realizing, into like solving like racism, police brutality, and systemic racism is accepting that it is, that it is a problem because most people won't even cross that step before, uh, cross that step to solve the problem if they don't accept it as a problem. And I think, yeah, that's all I wanted to say right now. Great. Ahmad, I, I wanna follow up with you. Um, when you say people will not accept it as a problem, um, what do you how do you how do you sense their acceptance how do you know that they're not accepting it and from from a personal standpoint um i i can like notice when people like sometimes they would say like if you like go into comments of like some like things like if it's about black lives matter or anything you kind of go into comments and see people say all lives matter which they do all lives do matter but they try to kind of take 
they try to take the the message out of the Black Lives Matter. Like it, they try to take the message away from it, basically, because Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter isn't all, only Black Lives Matter. It means that Black lives do matter and all lives matter, but all lives all lives matter all lives matter. Uh, only lives can only all lives can only matter if Black lives matter. So I think you can really like you can kind of sense how some people try to like take away from the message and like try not and not like and they try to give out excuses of why you shouldn't approach you shouldn't address the racism or anything. So I think that's like ways people deflect it, and I like I know. Great. And what year are you at Barack Obama? Uh, I'm a junior, well, a rising senior. And you've been with Bridge for how long? Five years. For five years. And you've been fortunate enough not to have any instances on the field while playing while uh, playing lacrosse. Uh, no. That is awesome. Okay. All righty. So next up, we have Alexis. Thank you, Ahmad. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Alexis. I am, I go to Irma Rangel. I'm part of the class of 2021, and this is my fourth year with Bridge. Um, regarding to being on the field, I have never had any instances of racism on the field, but it's just as a person of color, I feel like as like a team, I guess we could say, I know I don't speak for everyone. I only speak for myself. Um, it's just like feeling that you don't belong in the sport that you love to play. I feel like, like Ahmad said, like getting the occasional stares is just like, it's a sport that I love to do is just the instance of not feeling like or not feeling like I belong because I don't see as many other people that look like me or look like my teammates. But um, regarding the current events, um, as an ally's perspective, I feel like there's just only so much I can say. Um, from what I've seen, the most important thing we can do is to make donations and have conversations like these that make us uncomfortable. And I feel like those conversations start at home um, with teaching our family members about what's happening um, around us, because I feel like their, their instances and where they get their information or their media from is very altered to make it seem like the movement is not happening for a good reason. So what I've struggled with is trying to teach family members about um, what's been happening in the Black community. And I feel like it's just that they can they always come up with an excuse it's just oh it's just because i'm old and stuff like like it's not that it's we can help make the change like we can help them see why why people are pushing for what they're pushing for and i just feel like we can use our privilege and our power to help uplift the movement and help empower everyone that's in it um, thank you so much so uh alexis you mentioned the word uncomfortable <laughs> right and you mentioned it a couple of times so when you think about uncomfortable how do you know when someone's uncomfortable? What experiences have you had or what do you think it is when individuals are uncomfortable? Um, well, here at home, when I use the word uncomfortable, I feel like it's they try to push off the subject a lot. They try to change the subject really quick. They don't want to really focus on the problem at hand. They're just going to just give more excuses and ignorance will come upon. And I feel like that's when they really start getting uncomfortable and they push away from everything that's happening. So you find that more in your home? Do you find that same experience when you're maybe at school or some of your so other social organizations? Um, no, not at school, but other social organizations. I feel like, because I feel like at school and other so social organizations, we have a lot of the same viewpoints. It's just here at home where they don't see the current situation because they're blind. I basically blindsided by it. Interesting. So they're blind. So. I guess, how can you be blindsided in the last two weeks, right? <laughs> With uh, everything that's going on. Do you, have you seen, have you felt that p individuals are still blindsided or still choosing to be blindsided in the when, last two weeks? 
Um, well, I feel like it's a choice to be blindsided. It's you're just going to ignore what's going on in the world. It's really hard to ignore everything that's going on. So it's your choice to really be blindsided and ignore everything that's happening right now. Awesome. We are so glad that everyone made it a choice to be here today to talk to us about this. Thank you so much, Alexis. Okay, next we have Dominique. Dominique, introduce yourself and tell us what your thoughts are. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Dominique. Um, and I'm very happy. I'm sorry, my dogs. Ignore them. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I'm so sorry. Please contain the dog. Um, I'm sorry. Hold on. So while she's taking, taking care of her puppies, um, JJ, when you were talking, you talked about an experience uh, that you had on the field. Yes, and I thought it was interesting because I was kind of figuring that Ahmad would have had the same experience. But as a female, an African-American female playing lacrosse, how do you, what's the best way? Because females are usually a little more tolerant, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, what do you think was going through the minds of those individuals when that happened? Or do you think it was just a, in a moment of competitiveness? Or do you think there was intentionality behind their statement? I don't, I don't really know. Cause that whole moment has played through my head like multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like very competitive and we were, both teams were like going at it the whole time. Um, but it, it came out of nowhere. So I, I just thought it was like, you know, like spur of the moment type thing. Like she, she just said it. Um, so that's probably why I kind of like stayed quiet, um, like for so long about it. But yeah, like, I don't know. So you never shared this with your coaches or coach David or anyone? Yeah, I shared it with them. But as soon as it happened, I just asked, um, coach to take me off the field um and it took me like a 25 minute ride back home for me to like finally just tell my mom about it because I didn't know like what to say or what to do um or like if it like even really happened I was just shocked um so yeah interesting if you, how long ago was this if you don't mind me asking if you do do you remember about how long ago it was yeah uh, I was in middle school so it was seventh grade Seventh grade, and you're in what grade now? Ten. Well, eleventh now. Eleventh grade. Okay. All righty. Thanks, JJ. Okay, Dominique, you take care of the puppies. <laughs> I did. Um, it's okay. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. My dogs love to talk. They just wanted to be a part of this. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start over. Hi, everyone. Sorry about that. My name is Dominique, um, and I'm very happy to talk to you guys today. Um, I'm not going to try and take up too much of y'all's time, um, but I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background about me. Um, I'm the oldest of five at the moment. Um, my biological mother is black. Um, my dad is black. I have a white stepmom. I have a white sister. I have two black sisters and my brother is mixed. Um, and I've been playing lacrosse. I've been playing with bridge and lacrosse since my sophomore year and I just graduated. Um, it's become like a required sport in my house. Like everyone, including my parents have played and, um, all, all of my siblings, all of us have decided when we have kids that it's going to be a required sport, um, in our house. Like we've already decided. <laughs> um, 
Um, I had two segments that I'm gonna um, that I wanted to talk about, and I'm gonna start with what you guys can do um, if you guys want to be active and involved and um, help out with movements. Um, the first thing that you're gonna want to do, I guess, is educate yourself um, on the issue. Um, I'm a visual learner personally, so I like watching movies and seeing stuff visualized. I guess. Um, if you need like some movies to watch to help you understand why this is happening or like what is happening, I definitely recommend like the 13th, which is on Netflix. It's an amazing documentary that I had to watch my junior year and it definitely helped um, show me about the prison system and why it is bad and why it needs to be reformed. Um, a movie I just had my sisters watch was the Stanford prison experiment, which says the same thing. Um, Dear White People, Detroit, A Time to Kill, Mississippi Burning, all of those movies can be found on Amazon Prime. And all of them, my dad has made us watch those movies um, before this movement even kicked off just to educate ourselves so that way we're not put in a situation or we end up in a situation where we don't know what's happening and so that way we stay safe and educated. Um, I, I would say stay updated with current events um, don't be afraid to know when you're bored and you're done surfing through like Instagram, Twitter, to just go on the news and look up what's happening, stay current, so that we, you know, you're not caught off guard. Um, if you're able to and you have the resources um, to, I would recommend, if they're still doing protests, to go out to a protest, hand out some food, some water, start up a conversation with people because you never know what connections you could make with them you could end up having or meeting this person that's looking for sport for their kids and in return you get new players and you get new, new connections and new sponsors for your program. Um, as a person, as a parent, as an organization, you sort of have a responsibility to talk and have the harsh conversations and encourage them in the house um, about racism, about um, sexual harassment, you know, other issues that are actually happening that are current and relevant to your, to your kids, you know. Um, I would say don't sugarcoat the conversations as much because the world is not going to sugarcoat life for us. Um, okay, now I'm going to talk about some personal experiences because I feel like I've done talking about that one. Um, my sister Aaliyah, who's my white sister, was discriminated against at our past school in DeSoto. Um, she was removed prematurely from her basketball team um, and tryouts hadn't even started yet. At DeSoto, if you know DeSoto, it is a predominantly black school. And as a student, when I went there, I can literally count on one hand how many white students I saw there. It is not diverse at all. And we know the, re like we live next door to her coach. We just moved, but we live next door to her coach. And he didn't have the courtesy to come knock on the door and say, hey, this is, this is when tryouts are happening or um, why they removed her from the team. We know it was because of her skin. Um, and as her sister, I was watching the whole situation. I saw like my mom gets so mad and I was like, why? Because, you know, as a black person, you don't think that white people get discriminated against as much. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's also interesting to see that it doesn't just happen to us, you know? Um, I have another sister and a and my brother. Um, we're both called the N word at different points in their lives. 
and ended up having to be removed from their situations because of that. And the impact that it has to think that these little kids are out here using these words, you know, you can hear it on the radio, you can hear it from your TV show, and you don't know what it means, but your parent, but their parents know what they what it means. And the fact that they haven't corrected it is very sad. Um, and a, an experience that I had um, personally was when I was living with my biological mother in Arizona. Um, she took us to the Walmart with hoodies on um, in the dead of night when, like, you know, people are shopping or whatever after the Trayvon Martin case and the verdict came in and had us walk around the Walmart with our heads down, just walking around. And that was the first time that I have remembered that I was terrified to be a black person. Um, I was pleading with her and begging her to take us home to not do this. And she gave me one of those parent looks that's like, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to hurt you. So I was quiet for the rest of the time. But I was terrified that someone was going to, I don't know, call cops on us and have my mom arrested because we were just walking around, not shopping or doing anything or was going to like, I don't know, kidnap us and kill us or something like that. Just as a kid, your mind races and you're like just terrified. Um, but I don't know, that was just, that was one of the experiences that my sisters just reminded me of because I had repressed the memory and it scared the crap out of me. And I was just taking my senior pictures the other day and the thought came across me again because we were in a park and there were a whole bunch of like, just people around and we were talking and I was just terrified that like, I don't know, the cops were gonna be called because we were just standing around talking just with the craziness that's happening right now. You could just be peacefully walking across the street, it seems like, and a cop could harass you and you know, take you to jail. And I'm terrified of that. Every time my dad has to leave to go to work, I'm scared that he's going to be pulled over and arrested. Um, and when my brother grows up, because although he's mixed, he's going to be considered to be black. And I'm terrified that one day my brother will be walking the street and he may not come home. Um, I'm done talking, right? I'm done talking. So I hope you guys enjoyed my stories and listening to me and I hope that you guys um, listened. Um, yes, I'm done talking now. <laughs> Dominique, wow. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. Uh, you really opened up. We really appreciate it. Do you think or do you hope that one day that you the fear will subside when your dad and your brother leave home? Yes, I do. I hope that what with the movement with the movement that's happening right now i hope that it brings a change that way the future generations don't have to worry about that you know i don't want my kids my grandkids when i get older to have to worry about you know their skin color um being a factor and why they're being arrested or something like that you know and why they're being discriminated against you know okay and so what does your dad say when you share with him your concern have you shared with him that you're concerned? Because I'm sure you weren't just, you didn't just become concerned. You've probably been more greatly concerned since uh, George Floyd. But what does your dad say to you? My dad tells me that he's fine. He knows the protocol as he's been a black man his whole life. And that um, I don't have anything to worry about and that he's got it taken care of. But, you know, as a daughter, you just worry that 
because my dad's pretty and he's in pretty intimidating looking. Okay. The dude is really, he's tall. He's like six one. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's, he looks pretty intimidating to the average person, you know, and he's got a resting mean face. Um, so, you know, I worry that like someone could see that as him, you know, as him being like, well, I don't know what the word is, but like having a attacking demeanor or something like that, you know? Um, and that someone can misconstrue that because that guy's a big teddy bear, honestly. He's so sweet. But I'm scared that someone will take that and be like, oh, I'm going to call the cops on him. I want him arrested because he's scary looking, you know? Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for opening up. We really thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Next we'll have Kelsey. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about yourself and share your thoughts, please. Okay. Um, hi everyone. My name is Kelsey Johnson. I played lacrosse with bridge for seven years, uh, starting in sixth grade. And I'm a current sophomore at the university of Oklahoma. Um, in terms of like being a black student for high school, I never saw it as like a barrier for me. I was always told it would be a barrier growing up before like experiencing the world on my own, like in elementary school or in middle school. So I always saw my blackness as something that made me unique or made me have to want to make myself stand out more amongst the crowd because the high school I did graduate from is predominantly Hispanic. So in my graduating class, there was maybe six black girls separating myself based off the color of my skin but um in my college uh i've only experienced um one racist incident not personally but because of the group i was in and then this following this past february i uh, participated in a sit-in for our provost to be to resign but that unfortunately did not happen um but in terms of playing lacrosse, I didn't experience remarks or like commentary or things of that sort based off the color of my skin, whether it was on the field or playing with bridge. Um, actually playing with bridge, it allowed the, especially I feel minority students to have a platform where they could not only meet people who look like them or came from different backgrounds, but to experience other people's lifestyles who might be like across the tracks or whatever the case may be in different cities and experience different people's um, lifestyles. Um, as Dominique was saying about being informed, I've participated in protests this, this past week. Um, it's eye-opening, not just because I went, but as a black person, you would think, oh, well, I already know this stuff, but going out there and hearing people do the chants or seeing police officers blocking the street so that we could participate is just very eye-opening to see that the things my, my parents went through um, in the 60s and 70s, having to be bused to school or being part of the desegregation and all that, that I'm still having to go through that and to hope that my children would not go through that is like, a dream that might not be lived that I would be able to see or that they would be able to see, but I am appreciative of the many people, whether they're black, brown, um, of Asian descent, of Hispanic descent, of white descent, whatever the case may be, that people are coming out and speaking towards a bigger issue. Because even though uh, beginning in March, we experienced the COVID-19 pandemic, the racism pandemic is still something that has been embedded in this country for a very long time and even though this thing was going on it still lives and i'm thankful that people are putting it on the forefront that it needs to be changed so yeah That's interesting 
Thank you. Uh, you talked about your parents being bust. I too was bust. Uh, uh, when I went to elementary school, it was called the M&M Transfer. Mm -hmm. And it was a transfer program that took minority students and transferred them to schools where the majority students uh, were Caucasian. So uh, we don't have that now. Uh, we are we actually can go to any school, and if you are part, if you're here in the Dallas area or any large city, there are several schools that we can go to, and um, hopefully, it does help integrate our nation. So you're at the University of Oklahoma, correct? Yes, ma'am. So when you protest, when you protest at this most current time, was it at the University of Oklahoma or here in Dallas? Yeah, the most current time was during this incident, so it was here. But then in February, I participated in a sit-in and a hunger strike at school. Yes. And uh, remind me again what the purpose of the hum hung hunger strike was? Um, for that incident in February, there was, in the span of two weeks, professors said the N-word with a hard ER in classrooms and didn't receive, um, as students saw the consequences, they just, they didn't even get a slap on the wrist or anything. And the provost for many, for many years, not, not just this past semester, was blind to the incidents and the um, feelings of minority students. So the Black Emergency Response Team that's on my campus had a list of demands, including that our provost stepped down. That was um, one of the, the biggest demand, but including a minority center where students of minority descent have the ability to go somewhere as a safe space or a place to be. Um, but the hunger strike was, um, kind of like a putting our foot down like you're we'll do this as long as it takes for you to get something done and so that lasted for three days I myself participated in the hunger strike for three days so no food nothing just liquids um a lot of other students participated in that um and at the end of the this started Wednesday and at the end of that on Friday the list of demands were met obviously the provost did not step down but demands that were replacing that were still just as important were um, answered to and this following fall we're hoping to see those things in action. Great thank you so much for your participation. Um, so something for us to think about not necessarily if it, it requires a response Kelsey but if you choose to respond so you all did the sit-in for three days and the hunger I'm sorry the hunger strike for three days and it sounds as if 90% of your demands were met. Do you think we, if 90% of the demands were met now for current protesters that we will be able to move on as a nation? Something to think about. If you choose to answer, fine. If not, let me know. Uh, I can respond. Um, honestly, I, if 90% of the things were met, I don't think it's an okay. I'd be like, okay, let's move on to something else. Because if... Um, like, okay, so I've been watching The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's um, documentary, and one of the episodes is said, his doctor said, or his coach said, um, if I gave you 10 pills and nine of them were good for you and one of them killed you, would you still take them? And Michael Jordan said yes. But in this sense, if 90% of the things were met and that one thing was left off the list of the demands of like pol police brutality, the chokeholds, the... Um, Ahmaud Arbery, even though he wasn't killed by police, he was killed by people who thought, saw him as a threat based off the color of his skin. If those things, if the police are only answered for but not white supremacists or the KKK not being acknowledged as a terrorist group or ABCD and E that black people have experienced since we've been here, 
then it doesn't make sense to discredit the fact of what happened has happened for 400 years and say 90% of those things being met is okay. Because if you're an A student and you're going for 100, you're going to be upset with the 90%. So I don't see why a nation who strives itself on being the best would stick with being 90% in terms of acknowledging black people, acknowledging Caucasian people, acknowledging Hispanic people, whatever the case may be. So no, I don't think 90% is enough, not for me at least. Okay, thank you so much. Destin. Destin, can you hear us? You're on mute. Destin, you're on mute. Hello, can you hear me? There you go, there we go. Hello everybody. Um, we can't see you. You can't you see go. me? There you are. Hello, y'all caught, caught me in a transaction right now. Oh, okay. Uh, a game, but how are you doing? Can I check it out real quick? Yeah. So uh, I'm graduating class of 2018. Uh, my name is Destin Bennett. Um, I'm, I'm part of the Navy. Uh, been in the Navy about a year and a half by now. Um, so far for me, uh, playing lacrosse, Pretty much playing across with a uh, bridge has been pretty good. Um, I haven't really experienced any wild racism. Um, however, racism do, does exist in this country and also in the world. I think my honest opinion is like how Dominique and everyone else was talking about making sure everybody else is aware and just talking. Um, I also want to speak for the people that don't really not don't really, but they're afraid to speak up or they're scared to have a voice. Um, like me in the military, we're not allowed to protest. Um, thank you. Me being in the military, we're pretty much not allowed to protest. So, but we do have our own opinions and we do go through um, some racism especially in the military, because it is still there, even though it's not supposed to be. Um, we still go through some racism, even though it's in the military and it's not supposed to be there. Uh, they try to kick, kick people out that are racist. But um, my honest opinion is we should talk to people, talk to um, non-minorities, if you want to call it that, and just have a talk with them. But, however, when we talk with them, we shouldn't, however, expect everyone to get what we're saying. We shouldn't expect everyone to understand what we're saying. Yeah, we can say it's because they're not Black. They, they would never understand. They would never understand. But when we talk to them, we should just talk to them with an open mind. And us fellow Black people, we should also sit down and have a talk with ourselves. And let's be real and very specific about what we want because um, being in the military, we're not always up to date with the news everywhere, but so far what I've been seeing is different people protesting about different things. Yes, it's the main, the main causes for equal rights and justice and police brutality, but there's different groups of people asking for different things. I think we all need to, particularly black folk, we need to sit down and have a more specific conversation about what we want because i'm seeing different people asking for different things um i i guess i can give a story about me experiencing racism uh 
it'll be the first time I've ever experienced racism. I was about nine years old. I was at the Texas State Fair and I was there with my big brother and his wife. And I knew racism ex existed, but I didn't, I'm like, I always thought, oh, it wouldn't happen to me. It could never happen to me. Um, so there was this monster truck, a real monster truck. First time seeing a monster truck, I was a kid, you know, that's exciting. And there was a group of white boys that was already on it. They were on it, playing with it, touching it. And the police was just standing there watching them, you know, laughing, taking pictures with them and so on and so on. So I told my big brother, I wanted to go get on a monster truck too and take a picture with it as well. And we waited until they were done. Once they were done, he put me on the, the tire. I was short, still short, if you know me. Um, he put me on the tire and he, he took a step back to take a picture. And the two police officers that were there, they told him, oh, you're not allowed to take pictures. And my big brother was like, why you say that? You just took pictures for these three white dudes that was already there, you know, touching it. He's like, you're not allowed to take pictures. Your kind is not allowed to take pictures with this truck, let alone do you even know what type of truck this is? You know, I guess he was insisting that only white people keep in touch with monster trucks and stuff like that. Um, keep in mind, I was still, I was, I was nine. So me being a younger kid, I was a little slow and I really didn't know what was going on. I just saw my brother mad and his wife was very mad. Um, so they went on, took the picture anyways, but later on, as we were walking away, walking away from the police, they explained to me what it was and what just happened. Um, keep in mind, I'm still slow. So it really didn't hit me what happened that day until years later. And I remember, I remember that day and I talked to my big brother about it. And he really told me like, you gotta really watch out and just really watch your back and be careful around the people that are around you and be mindful of those type of people. And ever since that day, I've been mindful of those type of people. But at the same time, we all, us as black folk need to be mindful of the ignorant people. Like, like, like how you say black lives matter and there's those group of people that say only all lives matter, but you can sit there and explain to them all you want. Like, yo, it's not just all lives matter. We get that, but right now, black lives matter. Until black lives matter, then all lives matter. But there's a lot of ignorant people out there. Yeah. Destin, thank you so much. Um, the fact that you, your family was impacted from you taking a picture with the monster truck uh, it just kind of makes me think of a symbolism, and I think we can all relate to this, but the symbolism is, is that the racism is a monster. You couldn't get on the monster truck, and, mon and the monster is racism, and it, it just kind of correlates uh, to that. So once you understood what was going on, it sounds like you've carried that with you most of your life. So as after that experience and having to carry that with you most of your life, how do you handle it? How do you manage it? Do you carry it as a chip on your shoulder or is it just something that you keep in the back of your mind that you're cognizant of at all times? Um, it's pretty much just something that I keep on the back of my mind that I'm aware of because racism is real, you know, especially growing up. I, I read about it you know, I was a history buff. I read about it. I was like, ah, that's old. That's not going to happen. But, you know, racist, that stuff is real, you know, there are prejudiced people out there. There are racist people out there. And there are also ignorant people out there. It's just, I don't want to say that's the way 
that's how things are and it's just it is what it is but you know and it is tough because me as I'm getting older and I do want to have kids later on in life I'm wondering to myself it's 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 not like do I deserve to have kids am I worthy of having kids it's more of do my kids deserve to grow up in a world like this is this world worthy of having my kids you know to try to impact it you know Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Destin, uh, for your thoughts. You leave us a lot to think about. Thank you so much. No problem. All Next, we will have Rebecca. Rebecca, introduce yourself. Please. Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Hi, my name's Rebecca. I played with Bridge from my freshman year of high school to about up to my senior year. Uh, I graduated from Lake Highlands High School in 2019 and I currently attend the University of Texas at Austin and this will be my second year. And so I'm gonna talk kind of broadly on I think what can be done with this whole situation, not just now but just um, for the rest of our lives basically. And kind of my focus is on adults. I know this um, doesn't all fall on the responsibility of adults, but in my experiences of discrimination, I've noticed that there's a lack of responsibility taken from adult sides um, when it comes to, I don't know, like teachers or principals in my school. And it's something that doesn't go unnoticed when you don't act on something racist that doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so I'd like to thank uh, like all the adults here because in my experience so far with protesting within my community I've noticed it's mostly children and teenagers protesting I don't see a lot of adults coming out not to say that they aren't busy that they don't have work but it's nice to know that we're being listened to by people who are coaches who are teachers who are parents and who are really involved with their community um so kind of talking on my experience I just know going to school in Lake Highlands it's very diverse like 60 percent of our school is black or latino but um there's like this one situation that kind of stands out we have a cafeteria and a cafe uh they're both just eating areas but the cafeteria you'll see only black asian and hispanic students eat there and then the cafe you have white students there with the exception of a few like minorities in there and so I've heard parents talk about how this is self-segregation, so it's okay, like students are choosing to sit where they sit, but you have principals and teachers walking into this cafeteria and seeing the difference, but they don't see anything wrong with the fact that students feel less comfortable when they're integrated with their, when they're sitting with the people they go to school with. And it's, so it's something like that, that that shouldn't be okay. You shouldn't be encouraging this self-segregation just because kids want to do it. Um, and this goes on to witnessing like microaggressions. Um, you've heard things like, oh, you speak well for a black girl or you dress nicely for like a Latino boy, which are supposed to be compliments to some people, but they're not. You're just already assuming that because they're of a minority that they're not gonna be as well put together as a white person is. And so those shouldn't be tolerated. I've personally experienced and witnessed people use racism or misogyny as edgy humor and this is, has been done by like my own peers and teachers will hear this and say oh that's not nice but they won't explain why it's not nice why it's not edgy humor it's just blatant racism or misogyny and so that's important to have an authority figure step in and talk about why that's wrong how that's not just humor that's literally just racism and it 
provides nothing. Um, yeah, and I kind of got off track. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry. So um, I think it's really important to have like these authority figures really step in and be a voice uh, when you are impacting such young adults and students. Because if you have students who don't feel like, if you have students who feel like they're being belittled because they're not white, then you don't make them feel safe in their own community. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to live unsafe in their own community. Um, and it's important to speak out about those things. Okay, sorry, I was just reading one of the, the chats. Um, so another thing I've witnessed is when it comes to like disciplinary infractions, an experience I had was I was in a group chat with some of my swim teammates, mostly white people, and there was kind of this one offhand like um, conversation going on. It was kind of a bullying situation with some like two members and basically um, that group chat got exposed to our principals. And so two of my teammates were called down to the office. They got back to class. They went up, uh, on with the rest of the day. I was called down. I didn't get to go back to class. Um, and I actually got two days of in-school suspension for not reporting the bullying. And I talked to the other two students and they said, yeah, they told us the same thing, but we didn't get in-school suspension. We didn't get to be sent home early. So that just led me to believe well, the only difference it seems in this scenario is that I'm Hispanic and they're white. And so I went to talk to the principals about that and they really had no explanation other than, oh, um, they weren't actively participating. When they had screenshots, they were. So I really, I didn't even know what to do at that point because you have the evidence and the only reason I'm getting punishment, it seems so, is because I'm Hispanic. Like that was the only reason. We had another scenario where, um, my friend called a girl racist because on her Snapchat story, she posted a picture of her saying why power and do swastikas on her face. She was given 40 days of CMLC, which is like out of school suspension, but so was my friend. Um, she eventually was promoted to the officer position of her drill team. And it's those things that what upset me about that scenario was, yeah, she, paid her time, she went to out of school suspension, but I don't see why you're promoting this girl. You can use these instances as a learning experience, but at the same time, you're diminishing the effects that she had on the community. Like you're not making me feel safe around her. If you're gonna let her come back into Lake Highlands and promote her to this high ranking position, it's just, it doesn't seem fair that you're allowing this um, to go on. Um, so going on to lacrosse for a bit, um, I love the diversity within lacrosse because when you think of lacrosse, you don't, your ideal player is just, your like shut a stock image is a Y upper middle class person. And so bridge is so diverse, which is nice. And race and sport is something that's pretty important because like I go to UT and we've talked about how black football athletes are praised on the field, but they're profiled when they're walking home in West Campus at night. It's just, you're only worth something when you're providing a service to um, this big school and stuff like that. So it's important to take that in count, to speak out, um, and to just appreciate everyone. 
no matter what uniform they're wearing, no matter what they're doing. And I just hope this conversation just opens up people's minds to that. So, yeah. Awesome. So you are at University of Texas and um, anyone that's been in Texas for a while understands that there, there is some history there. Um, are you an athlete now at the University of Texas or academics only? Academics only, yeah. Okay. And you've been there for two years? Yeah. Well, this will, next semester will be my, the beginning of my second year. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, have you personally experienced any, any racial instances towards yourself since you've been at University of Texas, or you get only hear about things that have happened to other you know, minorities on campus? Um, luckily, I have not experienced it, but, you know, there's those little things where you have um, buildings in the school named after, like, major slave owners or people who, uh, you have a building that's named after a president of UT who didn't allow a Black man to be admitted into the college because he was Black. And so it's like those things that you're like, well, um, I don't want to be in that building if that's what they're, if that's the side of history that they're telling. And I know there are many students that feel the same way. So it's those little things that make you feel uncomfortable and why haven't they changed that? Interesting. Interesting. All righty. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for sharing. Okay, now we are going to go over to Marcus. Marcus, introduce yourself and uh, share your experience, please. Hello, I'm Marcus. I am currently a rising senior. I go to Bishop Dunn. I've been playing for Bridge for around eight to nine years. It's one of those. And um, I'll just be talking on a couple small, well, not small points at all, but a couple points. And um, some of it will be a recap of what others said that I've just found very important. And I'll start off with talking about who and how you, who you associate with and why that's Uh-oh. Marcus, you put us on mute. We can't hear you. You're muted. There you oh, my go. Oh, bad, my bad. Okay, so I was I saw a snippet of a Kendrick Lamar like interview a couple of days ago on Twitter that he was in. And he was talking about the system of like um how people were talking about are all all good cops and all bad cops and stuff like that. And he was saying basically what stuck to me was um he said, I see all cops as bad. And he said, but wait for me and listen to what I'm gonna say about that. He says, I know great people and I know very nice people that are cops, but it's about the system and the people that you associate yourself that can make you bad and can make your image bad. He talks about how he knows there are great people that are cops, but the system that they've allowed themselves to be in and that the, uh, how police and how they say we protect the people, but that was never really there to protect African-Americans and black people. So about how we can't really you know, really be super mad at a system that was never, we can't go around saying that the system has failed us when it was never there to protect us and was designed to keep us oppressed anyway and stuff like that. So that was just one of the first points was remember who you're associated with and like the system that you let stand has a lot to speak about you and the people that you let, you know, have your voice and that you follow. And another thing was talking about you know, the difference between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, as Ahmad was talking about earlier. And it's exactly as he says, we never said that only Black Lives Matter is just, All Lives Matter don't, doesn't mean anything until Black Lives Matter because we are alive. We are humans just as anybody else. And we're the ones being oppressed right now, unfortunately. And that means that we have to be given some extra attention, just be brought into the spotlight. We're not trying to have a leg up on any other race. We just want a starting chance. We want a fair chance. 
to have economic wealth as anybody anybody else and how um systematic oppression has been affecting us and um one more thing was about really self-education was one of the last ones i wanted to talk on and knowing how if you look at studies it would seem that black people commit a lot more crimes than anybody else and um one study that i was looking at it was talking about how the average you know they were talking about white people because that seems to be the focus white and blacks right now so it was the average white and the average black you know race commits around the same amount of crimes but the fact of over policing has crossed a huge economic gap between the black and white communities and what that has done is with less wealth being in the black communities it has caused black people in poorer areas to have to do certain things that would really be out of character to be able to provide for their families just to be able to make ends meet so it has caused a boost in black crime but this community and this persistence of over policing has continued the cycle and cycle and it's only getting bigger and bigger and worse as the years have gone so it's just really being able to self-educate don't believe like everything that you're told you have to know for yourself and you know just being able to just know for yourself what's going on and just stay educated that's about it awesome thank you so much marcus thank you thank you okay so we would like for um two coaches from some of the other programs uh, hey, Kenny. Hey, Kenny. yeah i'm sorry sorry let's let's just do this um if there's any student athlete or alum in bridge okay. who would like to share um maybe something quickly we'd like i'd like to like to give that option open to any current student athletes and um, alumni only from Bridge. So you're welcome to chime in. If not, we'll kind of begin to wrap up. Um, I can, I, hello, I'm Kathy. I, I want to say something or just share some things. Please. Um, so I played with Bridge all of high school, I, my freshman through senior year. Um, I'm currently a about to be a third year student at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and kind of like similar things that uh, other students have kind of said, um, like luck, my, fortunately, well, during my time in Bridge, I never felt and I never experienced any direct um, racism, but there was always just constant reminders that uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the communities that we were playing against or playing um, alongside certain times, uh, you just noticed um, the difference and the indifference that like certain people have towards you when you're on the same field as them. And even because there was instances where we had to play alongside each other for like, um, you know, maybe fundraisers or things of that nature. Um, and there was never any direct like race per se, but there was always just like a feeling of indifference, like a feeling of like, uh, I don't see myself in the same way as these people like I, I can't like it's just there's a different dynamic there that's experienced and fortunately there's no direct racism but it's just an overall feeling that just kind of looms in the back of your um head and i guess speaking to it speaking to the current events um i know a lot of people already kind of said this but i think yeah the, the most important thing is just uh stay informed and also it has been fall, falling on the shoulders of a lot of younger people to kind of spread this information um, and spread things that like anybody could anybody can share valuable information when they see it and um, it's also just like noticing that people noticing when people don't do 
the bare minimum that they could be doing, um, I th think is a new that we could also just speak to. Um, I remember, I don't know if you all recall when uh, like the Black Square like challenge was going around um, and suddenly like mm -hmm. I woke up one morning and like suddenly my whole feed was like full of like uh, Black Squares and people, you know, sharing solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and like I, I was glad because it was like you know, people like I hadn't seen being active or people that I hadn't heard of in like a while suddenly posting these things. And it's like nice that you know that they're aware of what's happening, but it's also upsetting that people don't share information when they come across it and valuable information when it's so accessible to us now. Um, so I think if people don't feel comfortable, which is like a word that I also don't like, like someone just not feeling comfortable sharing information that could easily just be shareable, because there's a reason why people don't want to share information. You know, there's a reason why people don't like feel the need to. And I think that's just like speaking to a lack of compassion. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the most valuable thing is just being informed, um, sharing resources. Like I know like people who can donate should donate and people who can't donate, you know, there's other ways to um, like help the movement and, things like that. So I don't know, that's all I kind of have to share. Thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing. Thank you so much. We'll take one more current bridge student, uh, Thomas Jordan. Hello, uh, my name is Thomas. And um, well, I, I unfortunately had to deal with um, racism on the field. And it's just like, when it happens in the heat of the moment, it's just like, it's unexpected like you don't know what's going on um I know for me I responded in a way that I'm not really proud of but um it happened so I just um I don't really put it behind me I just sort of like you know feel that as um as my um determination to continue to play the game and um continue to to keep on like living life and stuff because I I just you know, racism is bad and everything, and I just try to um, be above it. I don't try to like fall victim to the um, circumstances and what they um, and what people assume you should be. And um, yeah, so yeah. Okay, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. Hey gang, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I hope that you have been enlightened, inspired, challenged. Uh, perhaps maybe your eyes were open. We are going to uh, wrap up now. Um, David, any last words from you before I put in my last words? Yeah, so uh, first and, and foremost, thank you to our, to our speakers, uh, to our student athletes and alumni, to everyone who's here. Um, so I'll, I'll do a brief sort of closing statement and then I'll hand it back over to Chani to do a moment of silence. Um, what we'll do is um, at the end of that moment of silence, we'll just turn off this meeting uh, and go about the rest of our weeks. So um, I'd like to say this then. Um, so it goes without saying that these conversations are not easy, uh, nor are they comfortable, um, but they're certainly necessary and they're certainly crucial. Um, it's our hope that everyone here gains something and will continue to gain a new perspective, a thought or idea. Um, I hope everyone remains committed to being vulnerable and being courageous. Uh, those are two, I think, incredibly important words, uh, especially for myself and this organization. Uh, to my Bridge family, uh, I'm committed to each of you to provide resources 
uh, a partner to throw to, a platform, uh, and perhaps now more than ever, an ally. Um, this forum is certainly not the end, it is the beginning. Um, we have much to learn, unlearn, and ultimately we have a lot to do. Um, but I hope everyone in here is gonna be along for the process. Uh, thank you for joining. Have a safe, safe week. Uh, Chani, if you'd like to um, end this with a moment of silence. Sorry, prior to going to our moment of silence, I would like to share a quote from Marian Anderson. No matter how big a nation is, it is no stronger than its weakest people. And as long as you keep a person down, some part of you has to be down there to hold them down. So it means you cannot soar as you might otherwise. Thank you again for joining. We will now observe our moment of silence. <laughs>